it is an amazing place to work, it really is. You know, to be able to go out onto the water um, and to grow a product is, or to grow your fish is, is really quite neat. You know, to bring a small group of smolt in or, or small fish in to the sea and then a year later um, you know, to be harvesting these, these beautiful four, four and a half kilo salmon. It, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. There are few more important topics than sustainability right now, especially when it comes to our oceans, waterways, and the way we manage our appetite for their glorious bounty. There are some setting the standard and creating best-in-class fish by looking after the environment and the sustainability of the community too. Mark Priest is the Seawater Operations Manager for New Zealand King Salmon. Mark, how are you? Oh, great. Thanks, Huck. Good to talk. Well, it's great to have you on the show. You're um, in some pretty special environment uh, there with your, with the King Salmon. Tell us a little bit about where the farms are. Oh, yeah, right. So we're located in the middle of, basically in the middle of the New Zealand, top of the South Island, um, in the picturesque Marlborough Sound. So it's a lovely sunny day here today. And um, here we are, or here I am, I should say, uh, talking to you. I'm out on the water here at one of the seasides. Um, you know, it's a lovely day, beautiful, clear water, um, and just just watching the fish here um, on our farm. What's so great about the the location for what you do there? Oh, look, Huck, it's a um, it's an amazing uh, place to farm fish. You know, the, the Marlborough Sounds is a is a really sheltered waterway, so our farms are protected from the uh, from any of the weather events that happen around us. Um, we get enough uh, lovely sort of cool. Uh, water that um, flows up the east coast of the of the South Island and flows into the Marlborough Sounds, so it, it provides a beautiful environment or beautiful growing environment for our fish. Tell us a little bit about the king salmon. It's a, a it's quite a different uh, species. There's quite all type, types of salmon on the planet, but um, what's so special about that? Yeah, right. A really really good point. So, um, of all the salmon that's produced around the world, king salmon. Uh, is about 0.7% of world, of the world's production. And the lion's share of king salmon, ironically, is uh, produced out of New Zealand. Um, it's a, it's a really special fish in the, in the fact, or the reason it's called a king salmon actually is, is because it's a, a really grows to the largest of all the salmonids. Um, so it can get up to about 65 kilos. So massive, massive fish. And they're really, really sought after, uh, historically when they, when they were fished. Um, when, when you, uh, grow them, uh, they're really, really, uh, high oil. So lots of those sort of heart healthy omega threes, um, DHA, EPA, which are essential sort of long chain fatty acids for all sorts of health benefits. Uh, there's plenty of those. And I've got a lovely sort of soft, buttery, uh, mouthfeel when you bite into them. So it's a beautiful eating fish. It really is. It's, it's well sought after. And the, the, Fish that we grow is all destined for premium uh, food service uh, places around the world. So it's, it, it is really sought after. Take us back over the history um, of the farmed fish. How, how was it introduced and, and uh, the, the farm fishery created? Yeah, so originally uh, salmon were introduced into New Zealand by the Climatisation Society and they brought them over here primarily for sport fishing or for sport purposes. Um, and then towards the probably uh, mid 
1960s, 1970s. There was a period there where New Zealand decided they wanted to ocean ranch salmon. So very similar to what they do in Canada, where they wanted to grow them in hatcheries, um, put them out to the sea where they would, uh, would, would fatten up and grow, and then they would return uh, for harvesting. But we didn't get many returns that used to run back up the rivers. So that, that project was essentially unsustainable. So what, uh, what we decided to do was, uh, to create a farm. So to, to fully, um, uh, encompass the life cycle. So we'd do the uh, freshwater breeding, um, and then put them to sea, but in a, in a, um, a large enclosure and we'd grow them. And that way we could get a, uh, get fish to harvest. So that, that's sort of the, the brief history of, of when they were bought in or why they were bought in. And um, and where we are now with with the farming, the the life cycle of the fish is relatively unknown to to most people. Uh, take us through the that that life cycle of the king salmon on the yeah. farm. So, in uh, what what we try to do in the farming situation is we try to mimic uh, what they would do in the in the wild situation. So, salmonids are um, anadromous, so it means basically they go to sea. Uh, they live out there and grow and then return uh, to freshwater to spawn and then the cycle uh, repeats itself. So we, we mimic that uh, in, in the farm environment. We've got freshwater hatcheries. So we've got three freshwater hatcheries. Uh, one at uh, Waikurapupu Springs, which is renowned for being the most clear or uh, most clear water in the world. Um, where we have a, cl- or have a classical breeding program where we pick the best eating traits uh, from each of the salmon and we uh, spawn them, uh, mix them up and, and hatch the, or grow the eggs uh, at that hatchery. Then they're transported down to one of our smolt growing hatcheries, which is, is still in fresh water. Um, we hatch the eggs there and grow them to to what we call fingerlings. So that's a smolt that's about 100 grams big. And at that point, they're ready to be transported to seawater and to begin their seawater life. So they're loaded onto a, uh, onto, onto trucks. And in that truck is, is like a live well system. So it provides them with oxygen, uh, and, and obviously in water. And they're driven up and then barged out to the sea sites where they're, um, placed into the sea sites, uh, ready for on growing. And it's, um, it's at that point, I suppose, we grow them from 100 grams up to three kilos, four ki- sorry, four kilos. And now they're ready as a, as a premium salmon. What impact does that uh, seawater life have on the fish? Um, the, the sea, in, in the wild, they'll, they'll go to sea because there's more food in the sea. So that's where they, where they get all their nutrients from. Whereas fresh, the freshwater environment, there's not a lot of fish for them to eat. So that's, that's, that's really why they've evolved to go to sea. But in our, in our farming situation, you can grow them in both seawater and freshwater. Um, if you grow them in seawater, you get a very different sort of flavor, um, and taste profile. So it's, it's, it's a wee bit like the difference between a marine fish and a freshwater fish. They've just got different flavors. Take us back to when you were young. When, when did a life in seafood, um, present itself to you? I guess it was one of those things that was always probably going to happen. I was brought up on uh, uh, Rikuhu, so Chatham Islands, a small island, um, pretty much in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, actually, between New Zealand and Chile. Uh, and I, I was brought up there for the first 20 years of my life. 
Uh, my father was a fisherman there, um, and, and we had a small farm. So being surrounded by the sea, I guess I was always going to uh, get involved in the probably in the seafood industry. So we used to have a, a go fishing. I, I spent the first um, part of my career uh, fishing for crayfish and abalone, or power as we call it locally here in New Zealand. And um, after studying at university, I uh, got a job um, working for New Zealand King Salmon, and I, I really enjoyed it. It's a great place to work. It's really good to be out on the out on the water, and um, so I've sort of stuck around here ever since. Take us back to Chatham Island when you were a kid, and your father was a fisherman. Do you have any stories of those days that you can share? Yeah, it's um, geez, uh, it's a pretty wild place to. Um, to grow up, actually, you know, I sort of look back to my childhood, and you know, we lived on an island. We didn't have fridges and freezers. Uh, there were no phones. There was no internet. There was no TV. Uh, we used to have a ship that used to deliver stores to the island once every six months. So we used to get flour and sugar. So very much the basics. So you're very much living off the land. Um, you know, you eat eat sheep or kill mutton, eat sheep. Uh, you'd catch fish. And, you know, mum would bake bread. We had a house cow. So it was very, very much subsistence living. And, you know, it was fascinating. I, I can remember when we got our first telephones over there and we used to go to my uncle's place every Friday and make a phone call out to New Zealand. And, you know, that was a point of contact sort of thing. Um, yeah. Dad was the postmaster. Um, we used to get the mail that used to come over on the, come over on the boats. And, you know, big bags of mail and everyone from the island would come down to the wharf and, you know, we'd get our mail. And it was, again, you know, a point of contact for the rest of the world. So it was, it was a really, uh, it was isolated, um, a very strong community, uh, but a fantastic place to grow up. What are your fondest memories of growing up and fishing on the Chathams? Uh, it's, it was a real privilege growing up there. Um, the fishery, on the Chatham Islands was discovered much, much later than that in New Zealand. So, which meant that a lot of the fish or a lot of the fish stocks there were, were virtually untouched. So I got to see what, uh, what the original fish stocks must have looked like all around the world before they were fished. Um, so they were massive, massive fish. So the, the crayfish, the, the fishery there was, um, you know, mainly, you know, big, big crayfish. Um, there were lots of reef fish, so there's lots of groper and those sorts of things. You know, I can remember times uh, when I was, I was probably very much an early teenager, 10, 11, 12, um, when we'd want to get, want to have fish for tea and mum would ask me to go out to catch some fish and we used to paddle out on tyre tubes and we'd catch groper that were probably, um, you know, they'd be, good 20, 30 kilo, 40 kilo groper, um, you know, really, really big fish. And we'd just catch them within you know, a couple of hundred meters of the shore. It was, it was incredible. It really was. Sustainability is a topic that everyone uh, is concerned with at the moment, but the fishery that you look after has been setting the benchmark for a long time. What, what does it take to, um, to have that ethos and, and operations within such a such a big um, company as the New Zealand King Salmon? Yeah, um, sustainability is really, really important. I mean, we need to make sure that, you know, what we're doing now is, 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 is sustainable, that we can carry on and continue to do it. 
and and we need to make sure that we're responsible um, with the materials that we use um, to produce food. And uh, yeah, that's where King Salmon is um, has, has been an excellent uh, role model in this in this space. So the, the big um, the, the big focus for us as a or as a farmer is making sure that we're looking after the. Um, or, or looking at how we produce the food. So we want to make sure that all the ingredients that go into that food are sourced from sustainable sources. So things like sustainable crops, um, sustainable fisheries. Uh, and then, you know, once the food's made, so that's, that's outsourced by, um, food companies, but, but we obviously maintain, um, a high degree of focus over that, over that value chain. Um, once that food is, uh, manufactured, when we feed the pellets, to the salmon, um, we need to make sure that we're um, using or you know making sure we're maximising or every pellet that hits the water basically uh, the salmon are eating, and that's a key part of my role was making sure that 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 takes place. So in order to do that, um, over the pens we've got a a food distribution uh, like a spinner that basically sprinkles the food over the pens. We feed the salmon or salmon acrepsula. They feed morning and evening. Um, so we mimic that in the, in the farming environment. And to, how, how we ensure that they're full is we've got a, an underwater camera that we've set up five metres deep in the pen. We can watch the salmon feed. Uh, and there's a point there, once they're sated or once they're full, we can turn the feeders off and we make sure that way we make sure all the feed that we feed um, goes into the salmon and, and none is wasted. Everyone's perception of sustainability may be slightly different through experience and through roles. What what, what does sustainability mean to you? That's a, um, that's a really good question. I mean, for me, sustainability is is making sure that we're, I guess, working in balance with, or you know, the resources or the materials that we're using today, we're able to replace them um, quickly or replace them at the same rate. And that way we can just continue doing these things um, year in, year out. And I think that's that's a really important thing um, at New Zealand King Salmon. We spent a lot of time uh, and effort focusing in this in this space. Farming uh, salmon would have its range of challenges. Do you have any stories of the issues over the years and challenges that you've had to overcome? Yeah, we've um, certainly plenty of challenges on salmon farming, but you know, I could sort of think of probably my, in my early in the, in the early parts of my career, um, we started. We used to get uh, seals coming back into the uh, into the Marlborough Sound. So historically, uh, seals were um, under pressure from the sealing and whaling in the early, I think it was mid eighteen hundreds. Um, and obviously now the populations are, are breeding up and, and they start, started to move back into the Marlborough Sounds and they started to put a lot of pressure on the, on the salmon farms. <clears throat> and there were, um, what we do now is we put a big, big predator net around the salmon farm and that just keeps, it's basically a physical barrier and that keeps the seals out. But, um, you know, I can remember times where we had seals that used to, um, climb our barges, our feed barges alongside the farms. They'd climb up on the boats and actually in through the windows to gain access to the farm. So you know, it's one of those things where you've got it's not only our customers that love our salmon, of course, it's the uh, the seals. They really love it too. What's the average day like on the sea farm, a sea water farms? Um, yeah, the, the normal day for a, a salmon farmer would be uh, getting up uh, early, sort of at at, at uh, daylight. 
and they'll get up, they'll make their own breakfast. So they've got, you know, we've got a really good uh, sort of kitchen or kitchen facilities on the on the barges that they live on. Um, so they'll make themselves a breakfast there, and then they'll start the uh, or do a round of the farm. You know, making sure that uh, everything's intact and, and the farm's secure, just to do our basic sort of security checks, check on the fish, make sure everything's. Um, all okay with there. Make sure, I guess, make sure any seals haven't breached any of our defences overnight. Um, and once they're happy with that, then they'll start up the uh, start up the feeding uh, system. So feeding system is basically um, like a blower that blows food um, out to the pen, and then that uh, food is sprinkled sort of gently over the surface of the pen for the fish to feed. And they'll be uh, sitting here um, on the barge. Looking at a large, um, large TV monitor, and that TV monitor's got the picture of the underwater, underwater cameras that are set up in each pen, so they can watch the watch the fish feeding, and just using um, this computer control system, they'll be able to alter the amount of food that um, that a salmon pen gets fed. So if the fish want more food, or if they're eating really actively, they can speed up the amount of or the delivery rates of the salmon feed, and if they're slowing down, they can slow it down to the point where they stop it. Um, so f- feeding is a really core part of the role. Um, it's you know it's a, it's a massive um, cost to the business, and um, you know we w- we want to make sure that every pallet of salmon food um, ends up inside a salmon. Um, the rest of the day is pretty much spent uh, keeping the biofouling off the nets. So we get naturally occurring um, seaweed and uh, organisms that grow on the on the nets, and we want to make sure that they are water blasted off. Uh, and that way we can maintain the oxygen flow to the pens and, and hence to the fish. So we've got an, an in-water net cleaner, these large um, in-water net cleaners. It's, it's almost like a we've got like a lawnmower, you could argue, or a, a, um, but they're a water blaster instead of cutting blades, but water blaster, and they water blast the nets, and the operator drives them um, the underwater, so they fly them through the through the underwater, I suppose, like an ROV, and they just fly them around the nets, um, water blasting the biofilling from the nets. That keeps the nets nice and clean. How does it make you feel being out on the farms? Um, I think it's, you know, firstly, it's a real privilege to operate here in the Marlborough Sounds. So, um, you know, we've obviously got permission from a supportive community uh, to, able, to be able to use what is essentially public water space. Um, for, for farming, and I guess you know part of the reasons why they see that as important is you know people have to eat, um, and you know producing a high quality premium food uh, here in the Marlborough Sounds it gives people jobs. Uh, so so it's, you know it is genuinely a privilege to be able to operate here. Um, I guess other other um, things it's it's a you know it's, it is an amazing place to work. It really is you know to be able to go out onto the water. Um, and to grow a product is, or to grow your fish is, is really quite neat. You know, to bring a small group of smolt in or, or small fish in to the sea and then a year later, um, you know, to be harvesting these, these beautiful four, four and a half kilo salmon. It, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Tell us about Aura King salmon. So Aura King salmon is our, uh, is our special breed of salmon. So it's part of, we run a classical breeding program in New Zealand King Salmon Company. And what we've done over many years is we've selected uh, specific traits. So, you know, 
eating eating traits, the high oil, the lovely colour, beautiful texture. We've selected all those the, those fast growth, all those really good uh, traits, and we've created a, a breed of salmon which is called, which we call Aura King. Um, they go out into the sea farms, or the, those fish are grown out into into the sea farms, and when they're harvested, what we do is we um, also hand grade those fish um, in the factory. So it's essentially what we're doing is we're selecting the best of the best and it's those special fish uh, that we put aside for or are essentially reserved for special customers and, and they end up primarily or, or solely going to food service. So really, really sought after um, and you know, chefs all around the world uh, really love the Aura love King Salmon. What's some of the attributes that make uh, the king salmon and aura king salmon? So it's the um, it's it's the, the large size, and often and with that large size, uh, you want the want the high healthy oil content, and yeah, you know, it's that combination of the oil and the and the beautiful colour which shows you've got a really really healthy fish, um, which gives it this lovely or the, and the combination of all that gives it this sort of soft buttery mouthfeel. Um, and you know, beautiful, beautiful flavours that are carried through on those on those lovely oils. So you know, they really are a wonderful fish. They're beautiful. After harvesting uh, your salmon, where do they end up? Um, yes, yeah, so we harvest the salmon out on the salmon farm. So uh, gently, we've we've got a specialised harvest team uh, that arrives out on the farm. We gently corral the fish uh, together. And, and harvest them onto a barge and, and they're placed really, really quickly or they're euthanized and bled and placed really, really quickly on a, on a, in an ice slurry. Um, and then transported back, uh, to our processing plant in Nelson where they're processed that night. So, um, you know, often people say fresh is best with salmon. Um, but I tend to think that you know salmon need to be rested for a period of time, like we do, like we age steak or age age meat. You also need to uh, rest your salmon, so the salmon's gilt and gutted, um, and the, the resting period for our aura king or for our salmon uh, happens as they're transported uh, to the customer. So when you get them, you've got a, um, a a fish that's essentially ready to eat. The Aura King is destined for some of the best restaurants in Australia, New Zealand, and around the globe. Do you have any experiences of uh, eating the fish in some restaurants that uh, you can tell us about? Um, oh, I've got lots of experiences of eating the salmon. Um, it's a pretty lovely places, actually. Um, it's kind of difficult to describe it, but I mean, the chefs do an amazing job in terms of presenting the salmon. So one, yeah, the the visual presentation of the, of the fish or of the, of the salmon is incredible. And, you know, in my opinion, it, it really rounds out the eating experience. You know, if it looks good, um, it, it also helps it taste good if that makes some sort of sense. But they also are really skillful at being able to, um, the, the, uh, the, um, the things that they add to the plate enhance the flavor. And they're not too overpowering, so it doesn't detract from the flavour. So, uh, you know, I've had some wonderful dishes um, in New Zealand, um, in, in Australia, uh, and and also in, in other places. So North America would probably be the other um, other place where I've had our working. King salmon is a fish that can be enjoyed in many different applications, whether mm. cooked or raw. How, how do you like to enjoy king salmon? <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like it a multiple of ways. So, um, But I suppose my favourite is probably um, as a sashimi cut. So a raw sashimi cut, um, a nice uh, soy sauce, dipping soy sauce, um, and uh, you know a little bit of wasabi. So very very simple, but but it's such a flavoursome product. So you can really taste the difference of you can taste your di- the difference between between salmon that's grown in different areas. Um, you know whether it's freshwater or marine, you can taste the difference in the in the sizes of salmon. So the different mouthfeels, different flavour profiles. Uh, different amounts of oil and all of those things uh, add to the add to the different taste of the salmon. So, you know, I, I really like the the flavour of salmon. So, I th- and I think that as as a raw sashimi product, you can, it really you can taste those differences. So, that's that would be my my pick of the bunch. At the top of the show, you mentioned the the different types of of salmon. You've got your hands on the fish from sort of go to woe all the way to the plate. What, what, what do you think is so special about the king salmon? Um, I think probably the, the, the special elements of king salmon would be the fact that it's um, it's very difficult to grow, um, so it's it's very challenging when you uh, finally get to the point of harvesting salmon um, to be able to create this wonderful and, and very unique product. So New Zealand produces. Be something like eighty percent of the world's king salmon. So, you know, and and New Zealand king salmon as a company um, is is the major supplier. So, so it's very very unique. And you know the the skills, the techniques uh, that the team and the company have developed over you know twenty or thirty years of farming the salmon. Um, you know, it's it's second to none. So it's it's a it is fantastic to be able to grow this. This product really is, and really, really rewarding. Visually, it's quite a striking fish, raw with like amazing um, marbling through through the fish. But what does it take to create that for for the culinary um, offering? Yeah, so that's we've we've been running our classical breeding program uh, for it'll be close to twenty odd years now. We'll have um, well over. Uh, ten generations of of, of salmon, and uh, you know that, that key part of it, it just goes to show how long it takes to select those eating attributes, and you know, that's uh, that that marbling, the striking contrast between the um, those beautiful fat lines and the and the lovely pinky, peachy coloured uh, flesh, um, that that's all selected as part of our breeding program or as part of the the uh, traits that we select in the breeding program. Um, it is a it is a beautiful fish, and even looking at the fish, uh, you know, when, when you see the whole fi- the fish in the hole, it's such a powerful fish. You know, large sort of rippling muscles down the side of it. Um, it, it really is a, a premium um, salmon species. What does the future hold for New Zealand king salmon? Yeah, we're in a um, in a very exciting um, phase at the moment. So basically. Uh, demand is outstripping supply. Um, we're looking for new water space, and uh, we're just at the point now where we're applying for our first um, open ocean aquaculture farm. So Blue Endeavour, we call it. Um, it's a farm just on the edge of on the edge of Cook Strait. Um, again, it's selected, or the actual site itself is selected based on the, the lovely, the really strong currents, um, the cool water. Uh, 
and you know we, we believe it'll be a, a really great place to grow king salmon and, and that's you know that project we're, we're hoping will come to fruition in the next uh, two to three years where we'll be able to be uh, producing fish from that side you've uh, you've grown up on a really unique um as a family sort of situation on Chatham Island and then immersed yourself in a career in, in seafood. What is it that you love about what you do? Um, I think the, one of the big things that I really holds me to this industry is probably, it's, it's certainly the people is, 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 a, is, a, is a primary one. You know, there's some real characters that work in the seafood industry and um, so, and, and I enjoy working with them. So I, th- I think that's a, that's a, been a real draw card, and the other one is probably the the, envi- the environment and the product. So the combination of those two, you know, just being being on the water, um, uh, the challenges that that provides. Because uh, it's not always it's not always plain sailing out there. Um, you know, it can be challenging in the weather conditions and and the like. Um, and and then the final product, and and I, su- I suppose with that, the value that people place on that product. Um, you know, it, it is amazing. It really is. Well, Mark, um, it's been an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear your story and the story of this extraordinary fish in the King Salmon. Uh, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. I will do. Hey, thank you very much for the opportunity, Huck, and um, all the best. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.